0: Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. Today, I wanted to share an episode that my friend Danielle Zarnas did with her teacher, uh, Mrs. Deborah Green. And um, just a little recap, um, Danielle took over my podcast when I was on maternity leave with my baby Akiva. He was born May 31st. um, And then I slowly transitioned back. So Danielle was still doing podcasts for me, which was awesome. And Akiva is here, as you can hear. And I am going to keep this short and sweet, but Deborah Green is an amazing person. I went to many of her lectures. Um, she speaks um, all around the five towns and she's been teaching college classes for 18 years. You'll hear all about her on the episode. And I was really, t- I told Danielle, I think this would be a great episode to put out right before Rosh Hashanah. Everybody's cooking and everybody wants a little bit more, you know, upliftedness and spirituality. Not that intuitive eating isn't those things, but this is more specifically related to that. So I'm really excited to put um, that episode out today and I have another episode Uh, which I'll probably put out next week, which um, Danielle interviewed her sister-in-law. And that is also an episode filled with um, spiritually uplifting content, which I think is appropriate for this time of year. But I will say that last year I recorded a podcast on uh, the concept of Rosh Hashanah, and you can go back and listen. And I think even two years ago I did, and I have a blog post about it, so I will probably post it on my Instagram. Uh, But please subscribe to the podcast and read and review it. We're already past 100 episodes at this point and there's so much great content here and uh, if you like what you hear here please go to my website www.gilaglassberg.com you can read my blog post you could look at my instagram post uh, at rd. and without further ado here's the episode hi everyone and welcome to my podcast get into it with gila I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get It Into It with Gila. I'm Danielle Zarnas, and I'm your guest host. Today, I have Mrs. Green, Deborah Green. She's my teacher, so I call her Mrs. Green out of respect and just because I've known her since I am a kid. She's somebody I really look up to and admire, and she's still in my life today.
2: Hi, Mrs. Greena. Hi, thanks for having me on. So exciting. Thanks for coming. I'm so happy to have you. I'm, I'm actually like um, excited that I beat my husband to getting on a podcast. We, we listen to podcasts all the time. Oh, really? always something like a goal of my husband is to be on a podcast, but I beat him to it. I'm on a podcast before he, he got on one. Oh, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure he'll get on one soon. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, one day. It's an yeah,
1: interesting thing so, so <laughs> When Gila interviewed me on her first episode, I spoke about you a lot, about how you were very integral on my journey of becoming religious, and how I was in Haftar, and I was ready to go to Barragon, the University of Albany, maybe Miami, and you you had me on a different direction, And yes. It's, yes, and you've been there for me every step of the way, from the beginning until now, and I'm just so grateful for you.
2: Yeah, and I'd like to say that we're still together because um, Danielle is very nice and put together like a little learning group of women her age, and, and um, I get to, to you know, meet with them every couple of weeks. So it's still so exciting to be part of your life and your journey like that. So thank you. Yeah. So t- tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay. So um, I live in Farakoway. Um I'm married with, with five children that range from 26 to 11, and I'm a bubby of two. Um, so <laughs> that puts me into a little age category. I remember um, I, used to, I used to babysit
0: for your kids. Yes,
2: yes, Danielle used to babysit for me, yes. Um, and um, I, I'm from originally from Baltimore, Maryland. So I grew up out of town and I know Baltimore now is a bigger community than the community I grew up in. So I really grew up in, in a really smaller out of town place. Never imagined I would live in New York, but here I am 27 years. Um, When I married my husband, he was learning in a local yeshiva and and here we are. So um, I've been teaching in the Five Towns area ever since then. And my husband also is in Chinuch. He's um, an administrator at YU of a program called JSS. Um, He's also the director of NCSY Camp Sports for boys, which is in Baltimore. And that's where he is now. And I am (laughs) in Farakway, makes for interesting summers. Um, but that's 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 basically a little bit about my backgrounds. Um, I would like to give a little just what's something that um, Danielle said she was inspired in school. I have to say that my schooling also very, very much inspired me. I went to um uh, Besaco Baltimore, which is this community school. Everybody went to Besaco Baltimore, from you know modern families to more yeshivish families more right-wing families and we were all together in the same place and we all gained an appreciation for each other um, and a respect for each other that way which I think is beautiful and um, I was very much turned on by the the um, the principals of my school and my teachers were very caring and made us feel that we could do really anything that we want to do so I would say that really fueled me to become become who I am I have to give them a little shout out for that Oh, so that's like yeah. you
1: going in the field of Torah education. It started from you having that connection with your teachers.
2: Started from having connection of that with my teachers. And also um, what helped me a lot in those years was my connection to NCSY, which is an organization that we're still very passionate about, my husband and I. Um, I came from a more modern home and I was in a base app and NCSY really helped me bridge bridge that, that um, you know, make a connection between the two. Um, and when I was in NCSY, I was I was like a leader. I was called the chapter president, and most of the people around me in my chapter were public school kids, and I was in yeshiva. And um, I found that we had a lot to give and lots to offer, just helping them become more aware about being Shomar Torah Mitzvos. And I think that's really what led me to become a teacher but I do have to say something. I didn't major in teaching.
1: Oh, really? What did you major in? Yeah,
2: my, I, and, I, and I like to say that because I think that, you know, we have the potential to change courses sometimes and change things in life. But um, my father, who was a, a, a public school principal, did not want me to be a teacher. He thought that I should choose something else. And I majored in speech pathology in college, but I didn't end up doing it because I really always wanted to teach. So in the end, I was facing graduate school and I decided to veer off and do something else. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. So you've
1: been doing it ever since. So it
2: it was the right thing for me. And I, and yeah, and so, you know, I was, I was able and willing to make that adjustment in life um, to really follow something that I was very passionate about. So, (laughs) so I think that we can, we can be fluid in life and, and make changes. That's, that's what that taught me. which is a nice a nice
1: message and that no one should ever feel stuck and that there's always opportunities even me doing the podcast now I never would have thought oh I'd be doing a podcast right right, something I'm enjoying and
2: 100 or I meet women my age who've gone back to school for things and I'm just like so incredibly impressed like it's you know I just think that's amazing Mm -hmm. Um, people who are stay-at-home moms and then found like you know they needed to go get a profession and they really worked hard to get a degree in something I think it's amazing
1: yeah I think so too. So tell me, you're so you're a teacher. Where, like, where did you start? Did you start with always, I know you taught me as a teenager. Did you right. teach teenagers? Did you teach younger kids? Oh.
2: So um, from my experiences at NCSY, I love teaching teens. And um, I did a lot of their summer. I did, what was the, they have a, a tremendous amount of summer programs now that they offer. Again, my husband's camping, one of them. But um, we, I did what, they had a few of them going on when I was like in my, early 20s um, and I was able to be part of something that was called um, NCSY Camp East for Girls it doesn't sound like such a great name <laughs> it was in the mountains oh. and then you know there like I like I was really teaching and really giving kaburas over and I really really enjoyed it um, but my first teaching jobs while I was in graduate school were just assistant teaching and. um like first grade, second grade type of situations. Um, and then it was interesting, the next step that I moved from there, um, I was working in a certain school and it was a little far away and I'd gotten married and I was living in Farakway and had a baby. And that's when I switched to working in a local um, five towns high school. Like I went straight from there to there. And I really have to thank um, Rabbi Vajnan from hafter High School for giving me the opportunity at 25 years old, believing in me, um, to, uh, I don't know who he is my first job so Rabbi Bashan was the um, former principal of Hafter High School he was oh. there before you were there and um, he was the one who gave me the first job he he went onward to be the dean of Yeshiva Katana of Long Island so that's where he is now um, but he was the principal in Hafter High School for a long time um, and he really gave me that opportunity and he said to me um, Mrs. Green make yourself a folder um and just keep putting all the the nachas letters and notes and everything you know that your students give you through the years, and you're gonna you're gonna see it's gonna fill up. So he he was right. But at 25, it was a tremendous opportunity that I was given, um, and I was there for a long time. So. You were my, I think when I was a senior, that was your last year. That was my last year in Hafter. Yes, that was my last year in Hafter. So that was 14 years, 14 years in Hafter, thank God. And I love seeing my students all around. I love like meeting them in the grocery store, um, seeing them- We went out for breakfast together and coffee. Yes, we used to do that. that. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I still have like a close student from the first class, the graduating class um, who lives in Columbus, Ohio and uh, we get together when she comes in here, comes to five towns, we still do, she's still very close to me, I happen to make her shadoch, so it's even more special, I set her up with her husband, so um, she's somebody I am very close to, I was just at my daughter's 12th grade graduation, and a fellow graduating mother was a student of mine, oh wow, from all those years ago, yes, yes, so so thank God, it's been a lot of good years of teaching and, um, and the girls have kept me on my toes, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I think like part of the
1: reason why I really, I connected to you as a teacher and why I got so much out of it is, well, A, I loved your classes, I loved learning English with you, I still remember, you know, some of the things you taught me, and you know, you, you never, you never made me feel bad about anything. You were always encouraging and positive. Even like, I remember when you told me one time, you're like, you know, you, you know, you're such a good governor. You just like, cause I, I I talked a little bit, you you, you told right. me that I talked in the nicest way and not in a way of like putting me down.
2: Right. Right. No, well, I do. I do. When I, when I look at it, my, um, my classroom, like I do feel that like every girl has so much potential and it's so, it's, 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 it's so important for me to not, I, I never want to beat anybody over with the hummish stick, like that's the way I look at it. Like I really want everyone just to love learning and find some way to connect and some way to grow in any like little sort of way that they can. And I, I always had this motto about, um, you know, when we live in the five towns, and I know this, this podcast could go out to anywhere, but the five towns like has so much to offer And, you know, nobody has to like look further than the Five Towns sometimes to see what's out there because there's so many restaurants, we have so many stores and, you know, social life and community. And, um, but I always said that my role as a teacher in the Five Towns was to make uh, a student a Klee, like a vessel ready to be filled. So when they go out and they see that there's so much more out there, they can receive and be able to absorb like everything that's there. So when a student does end up in seminary, and have that opportunity to, you know, to get to Israel, that they're really just ready to absorb all the messages that they're going to be given, because they have an appreciation for it already. So, so, um, yeah, I think that's like very, very important thing. Um, Yeah, so, you know, all different types of people in the five towns. Um, And I just wanted girls to be aware that there's, there's, there was more, there was more than just their social life or their, you know, Central Avenue, there's like the world was wider and much bigger, bigger than that, you know, also with all the social messages that's given on TV and everything that's. uh,
1: Right, when you're younger and you're in all of it it's hard to see out of the box and see all that.
2: Yeah, I remember Danielle. If I if I want to remind you of something, it's something I think about sometimes. It's it's uh it's more it's more hitting on like the modesty piece. But um, I remember once you came for Shabbos, and I and my twelfth grader Jessica Kugrich graduated was like five or six years old, and it was a Baruch Hashem, beautiful Shabbos we had. And um, I remember slightly after that, you you talking about a friend of your family's, who the little girl the same age as my daughter knew about some sort of secular dancing that was really not appropriate I don't remember this <laughs> yes and you thought that was funny like you came and you're like Mrs. Green can you imagine that girl knew how to do such and such and I looked at you and I said I don't even want to say what it was and I and I looked at you and I said that's not that's not good and she and you said like why 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 is that funny like a little girl doing that and I looked at you and I said, could you imagine my daughter the same age doing that? And like your face turned and you were like, like you're right. Like there was a certain innocence to my daughter that your children have now also, that they would never, they just wouldn't, wouldn't do that. Right. So, um, so I, just, I, just, I just remember that like interaction and your eyes like lighting up going like, you're right you don't need to know about that to get through life like it can be different and i and i have a lot of nachas from seeing my students around and seeing that the children that they're raising you know and in the environment they're raising it in and what what's important important to to you to give over to your children that's absolutely amazing and incredible wow and it's just so it's so great because
1: like you know gila talks about like an intuitive eating the idea of planting seeds that sometimes you know you hear of certain ideas and you're not ready necessarily to take them on or they don't impact you so deeply, but the seeds are planted and then later in your life, they kind of come out. And oh, I, that, I yeah. feel like that, that story is probably something that, I don't remember it so much uh, even, uh, but it was something that happened to me uh, that
2: right. affected me later. Exactly. Like that, uh, that okay. moment, like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I never thought of that though. R- Rabosha Weinberger says that like, let it sit on your heart and when your heart breaks, it'll, it'll sink in, like those ideas will sink in, you know? Uh, I
1: loved uh, another reason why I just got so much out of our relationship is when I was in high school, getting to come to you for Shabbos with Shandy and Mariah. Yeah.
2: So those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, thank God we have an open home and we just try to make, like, always say, like, I just come here and relax, you know, eat good food, have a good, you know, some, some different Torah and some just good laughs and like, just, you know, feel, feel like in a good positive Shabbos environment we still thank God um do that for people so that's uh, that's our goal
1: <laughs> also your perm suda I was I never in my family we never had a perm suda so the, yours was the first student that I ever went to oh well,
2: wow okay <laughs> that's Beautiful. thank you thank you well I'm glad now you have your own yeah, so you. yes yes Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit. I
1: know that after you left Hafter, you started a seminary. I'd love to hear a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so we had a seminary in the five towns. First it was in the White Shoal, then we had our own building, um, and I ran it with very special um, Rabbitson Robinson Aviva Finer, who was still a very close friend of mine, and um and I, she was approached to start a seminary. She needed a, a person to do it along with her. And um, I was ready to move on into something else. So we, we created it together. Um, and it was for a different, different kind of clientele but than what I was teaching before. Um, but I, we, our goal was to create a curriculum where the girls could really explore and really ask questions. Because sometimes in some places, girls are not encouraged to ask questions or they're even looked upon you know if they question it's not looked upon in a good way but we had an environment where girls were open to really explore and to ask anything um in fact we had a program we loved it was called muffins and more we would serve muffins and they would ask any question that they wanted to and there was like you know we were able to answer anything um so we had the seminary going for nine years we had girls from out of town we had a dorm um, and it was a it was a very good experience. Um, it closed just because things opened up in Brooklyn and took some clientele away from us. But I think we had a really amazing amazing product going on and and um, good teachers, really amazing teachers. Um, this is Yochavech who's a college teacher in this area, it was also very uh, part of our administration. And um, it was 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 a was a good it was good. I have a lot of nachasim there also just seeing how we built a lot of girls' lives and um, was an alternative then, you know, to going to Israel for the year. So for some girls who didn't look at Israel as an option, this was their way to have seminary um, in America. So that was... um, Sounds like there was
1: really like a need for that, for a kind of an environment where people could ask questions. Because I've heard that there are people that they're in their system in school, they don't really feel like they could ask sometimes... Mm -hmm.
2: Right, it's not so much in our area. Like I would find that the schools in our area are very encouraging for that. Um, I would see, you know, just people from other communities just have different, different, um, you know, attitudes towards towards that. So a lot of our students really found that 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 was like really refreshing for them to be able to 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 have that environment to do that. So um, you know, that was that was our attitude there. So. It was, a, it was a very good experience. Then after that, I moved on and now I'm teaching at SKA and that's where I am now. I also teach Kalas that- um, yeah, You I, were my Kala teacher. Yeah, I was Danielle's Kala teacher. So that came about like about 18, 19 years ago. I used to tell the girls in Hafter, um, you know, when you become a Kala, call me and I'll tell you who to go to. Um, and then I decided one day that I wanted that to be me, that I had that relationship with the girls already and I wanted to be able to continue that by, by giving over kala classes. So I trained I trained extensively to do that. And then I started teaching. And I have to say that the kala, te- the kala classes that go on now are so different than the kala classes that we took when, you know, getting married 27, 28 years ago. It was much more just halacha-based. Now it's full of hashkafa and just um, amazing um, hashkafa about marriage, about intimacy, and um, I was just, you know, the girls today are very fortunate to have that. That's for I, sure. I remember
1: we did a one week one week hashkafa. We would go back and forth. Huh?
2: We right, exactly. We went Getting back and forth. Yeah, and I, and the woman who trained me is a woman in Baltimore named um, Ruffle neuberger and she just, I, I think I was about eight or nine years married married when I became a college teacher, and she just like woke my marriage up. It was just amazing, like the hashkafa she gave over was amazing. I'm just going to give a little shout out to something else I do that Danielle might not know about. I um, There's a hotline um, called Anila Dodi. Um, it's something people should become familiar with. And it's a hotline for people to call about their intimacy issues. Um, and I was trained extensively a few years ago, and I am somebody who mans the hotline. Um, we're a whole group of women that we you know were assigned um, schedule. and I man the mean, Ladozi hotline, but it came with a a big extensive training with that. Um, and I'm just so great, you know, so grateful to be on the hotline. Like it's just I we get such interesting calls and then to be able to help people with their problems, giving them referrals for what they need is very good. So I just like to give that hotline a little shout out. Anybody could look it up online, the Ani Annie hotline. Oh wow. So. Yeah, that's also something else I do. It's such a good such a resource <laughs> to have
1: for people.
2: To- it's a tremendous resource. And the women who call are so appreciative I'm to sure. have that. Yes, yes. And we have yeah. referrals on our list for really all parts of the country. So um, it's, a, it's definitely an important thing. And we just want people to have, you know, the fullest and best marriages that they could have. And that's what yeah. I love teaching Kala classes. So... Beautiful.
1: I'm sure you see a lot of different things where some people like have struggles going on, and you're able to be there for them.
2: Right, right. And just to know that they're like there are resources to help people. That's such an important thing. We have resources in so many different areas that could be so helpful to people in all different parts of that in their marriage. So that's a very important thing for people to know. So that's that's another thing I do. You do (laughs) that. And you're still Um, involved with CSY too, right? So with NCSY, um, my husband, again, runs a summer program for them. Okay. We, when, when we first got married, um, my husband was working for NCSY part-time, and he was in yeshiva part-time, well, yeshiva full-time working for NCSY part-time. Eventually, he became something, it doesn't exist anymore. We used to have a region just here in Long Island, um, and he was the regional director for Long Island region. Um, and then he left NCSY to go work at YU, but the one thing that we didn't leave was our summer camp. So our summer camp, we started going to 26 years ago. My oldest was three months old. And it was really because I'm such an out-of-towner that I spent one summer in Farakaway in New York. And I told my husband, never again will I spend the summer here. So, <laughs> so felt, yeah, this because like, I don't know, just like. The Spanish music and the, I don't know, like the fireworks going off all the time, like they're going off tonight still here in Paraguay. Oh. I don't know. I just wasn't used to it, like, used to different, different, um, maybe central air conditioning I didn't have, and we had that in Baltimore. I don't know. Tom has been never again am I spending the summer in both in New York. Um, so the assistant job of this camp, which is in Mary Surrell's campus in Baltimore, opened up. And obviously that was a no brainer for us because then I could go home to my, my family in the summer. Um, so I didn't live with my family, but we were close by. So my husband was the assistant director of the camp for a long time, and then he became the director. So we've been going away to this camp for 27 years and it's still a camp my husband runs. So with that involvement of NCSY, um, that with the camp is our involvement with, with NCSY at the moment. So that's, uh, that's, that's what we have. Um, my husband's program, which is called JSS, um, is the, every boy in NYU needs to be part of the yeshiva program. My husband's program is the lowest level program. And so basically it's a lot of Kirov. So that's where that outlet is for my husband now is, um, is there, um, working with the boys from really all over the world and, um, just really helping them, you know, in that way. So
1: well, That's it's so not, nice you have your experience dealing with the you know in Kira of complete Baal Shuvahs, people that are more modern, and then also you did the seminary with people that are already from. It's nice you get to really be administering right, right. older yeah. people. Yeah.
2: You know what I what I really find is that people need to be just built from whatever level they're on, you know, to move upward and onward. So um I I really feel that like there's there's a, a nice little Devar Torah I heard from. Danielle knows, knows who I'm going to quote right now, Esther Vela Schwartz, so by, uh, you can listen to her on tour anytime she comes out of Muncie. Um, and she said this a, a long time ago, and I really like I never forgot it. She said that, why why is um, Moshe Rabbeinu and Anav Mikol Adam, he was like the most humble person. So the Mitzala Rebbe, who was the middle Lubavitch Rebbe, he was the, the second of like the first three. Um, He said that Moshe looked at all of the generations and that he looked at the generation of the Mitzel Rebbe. So the Mitzel Rebbe lived in the 1800s and said, he got to our generation and he said, my gosh, look how hard it is for those people. Like they're so far away from the giving of the Torah. Like they're so far away from spirituality, but they still get up to David and they still get up to learn and they still do mitzvahs and they still keep Shabbos. And that's what humbled Moshe Rabbeinu. So she said, could you imagine in our generation, like what Moshe Rabbeinu thinks? And But we still are in the whole wacky world around us. We're still doing all of those things. And if Moshe Rabbeinu would come, he would say, those are my people. He would recognize who we are. That we are, that we are Torah people. And then she says that, you know, we're in this generation now, like here now, not living in the 1800s, not living at the time of the temple, not living, you know, at the time of Rashi, um, because we have the spiritual genes now to get through what we have to get through. And I think that makes us pretty powerful people.
0: Wow, that is. And we need
2: incredible. to know that. <laughs> right. And not to get down about it, but to know, like we really have the ability to get through what the world is throwing at us. And it just keeps changing like every minute. <laughs> it's
1: true. It's
2: true. Um, you know, when I when I start to teach college classes now and the first thing I do is go through like, what is marriage? What is a man? What is a woman? And those questions have changed so much even in the last oh. months, not, not even joking. Like I just am like amazed about how different I have to speak about it. Um, You know, even as a
1: college teacher speaking to the people you're speaking to, you feel like you have to speak no,
2: no, I don't feel like I have to speak politically correct. I just mean that like, um, like, because like we live in an environment where those things are questioned so much that we have a, we have a whole different attitude about it as opposed to like 20 years ago, what we thought about those things. Oh, I see. Don't worry. I teach what a man and what a woman is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, no, just, you know, don't have to be politically correct about it. I just think that when we put ourselves into the context of the world we live in nowadays, that's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy and pretty scary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So
1: on that topic, I was going to ask you, like, what do you think our generation or women in our generation, what's like one of our biggest advantages and strengths? And then also I was going to ask, what would you say is something we struggle with?
2: So, okay. So Danielle gives these questions beforehand, by the way. So I had the opportunity over supper time to ask my 20-year-old what she thought about this. Um, Yeah, I have a 20-year-old daughter. So we we were talking about this a little bit. Um, So I'm going to start with what I think the advantages are. The fact that we could be so connected is such an amazing thing. I I just unbelievably amazing. Like um, I heard Connie Jervell speak about this, that if you had asked me at 18 years old, like talk to me about even having like a cell phone or the ability to instantly like to speak to somebody across an ocean, you know, I would have thought you were really absolutely insane. Like I could not have wrapped my head around or fathomed that that could be, it was so not possible. Um, when I went to seminary, there were three payphones, and you were lucky to get a phone call. And if your father owned a business, you were maybe able to get a fax. That was about it. Right. So now the fact that, like, we have it, it's just an incredible thing that ability that we have that at one o'clock in the morning, I could be WhatsApping with my friend in Israel who has just woken up, you know, and she's like kind of keeping me company as I can't fall asleep. That's just like an amazing thing. Or my daughter who lives in Israel, I can, you know, through WhatsApp video, see my grandson and like talk to him it's like uh, unbelievable or how about the fact that us as old ladies have a whatsapp chat for my high school class and somebody just created a whatsapp chat for my seminary class <laughs> um so like girls from england and israel and just like all over um i think the ability we have to connect and like keep those connections and and utilize them for for to strengthen ourselves is a good thing to connect with my friends in different places. Um, I think is just absolutely wonderful. So we have a tremendous power there for sure. Um, and the fact that we can connect quality so much, you know, that we can tap into Reb Biederman's Torah in Eretz right. And, you know, Torah anytime could bring us almost anything that we, we could possibly want to listen to podcasts galore, you know, to strengthen ourselves. Um, again, all used the right way. But um, I think that that's, we have just a tremendous amount of power to connect and to spread positivity to ourselves, which is just unbelievable and amazing. And I think there ever was a time where we had, you know, so much, you had towns in Europe, here and there, you had to send letters back and forth, whatever it was, you know, but like, that I think is tremendous, tremendous thing.
1: Wow. I love that you're never alone. And there's always, um, there's so much, there's endless amount of positive opportunities. So.
2: That, right. There's tremendous amounts of positive opportunities. Right. Exactly. At the that. same time. So what was the struggles? So it's interesting. We used to ask this question on our seminary interviews. It's a question I made up. Like, what do you think challenges a from teenage girl the most in 2000, whatever it was? 22. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What do you think challenges from teenage girl the most? So the top three answers, okay, coming from a girl from that perspective was um, sneas was a hard one. Okay. Um, um, The next one was technology, like how to use technology properly, or not to use technology in some cases. And the less the third one that I would hear I think is the one I want to harp on, which is self esteem. And that is, I think, with the connection we have to all the people comes that trying to keep your self-esteem alive, where you feel that you are worthy, okay, you are who you were supposed to be, um, you have Shem put you in your situation because that's the situation you need to, you need to be in to be the best that you can be, and to not judge yourself against other people. I think that is a lot of probably what intuitive eating is about as well. Am I, yeah. am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: That accepting yourself for who you are, embracing who you are, trying to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah.
2: Of and just recognizing the strengths and, and those, and that is like, you can't change, you can't change your circumstances. You can't change certain things about yourself. You have to kind of like accept them and and use them as you know even your strengths and and use them that way and and not you know look around and compare yourself to other people so um i remember listening to i, I forgot who the lady that runs the the panini the panini i, I forget what that. it's called Barbara, your, am yes, i wrong
1: this yes, 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 yes,
2: yes. no zeltzer uh this woman zeltzer from montreal who runs like about technology she does and she does technology. So she once gave this thing, I, uh, this idea, and I thought it was really, really brilliant. It could be used in any stage of life, by the way. So she said like a young, young couple, you know, moves to Israel and she's there with a few friends and her friend it's getting to be lunchtime and she's looking around her kitchen. What can she make her husband for lunch? And she finally settles on like the ordinary tuna fish sandwich. Her husband loves it. You know, she toasts the bread, everything is good. And then, you know, she gets a little picture from her friends look what I made for my husband for lunch and there's a whole beautiful tablescape and there's a whole beautiful salad okay and she feels like oh no what did I do I just made my husband his only his favorite tuna fish sandwich and then she gets another little ding on her phone and it's like a picture of her and her her friends and her husband her friend and her husband and her husband her friend's husband like out to lunch again you know? And now she's thinking like, oh, they're going to like waffle bar. Or like I'm stuck with my tuna fish sandwich, but she felt so good about her tuna fish sandwich before that, you know? So it's true.
1: Yeah. Well, so a lot of what I'm hearing is looking within and uh, getting your self-esteem from Hashem and from within and uh, not letting the people around you, um, like not giving them the keys of birth.
2: That's right. Looking at your own gifts and talents right that really recognizing your own gifts and talents and I think that the intuitive eating piece about it is recognizing that it also comes with the body that you have and 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 that and that total package makes you like who you are
1: right and I I think that a lot of times when you're able with intuitive eating like you're when like for me at least before I did intuitive eating I didn't accept myself as much. I would say, like, oh, I'm not gonna buy myself new clothing until I lose weight, or like, I'm not gonna put effort into how I look because I'm just not looking the best these days. But one day I'll get, I'll get there. But um, when you're able to start accepting where you are and saying, oh, this is the body Hashem gave me. I, I, it takes care of me. It gave me children. I'm gonna, I want to take care of it with how I eat. I want to take care of it with how I dress. You're able to like also get past and that negativity around the food and the body image and Get going to focus on other things you have more headspace so things head that are more important
2: space, right exactly exactly i and I think it could go either way because like i'm so much of a closet eater um like I like to eat when i'm alone like that's where i i tend to do that um and I think that it like i find sometimes that my headspace is too much on food where if i could clear that away like some people' too much on like what i'm not gonna eat, Right. And so for some people, it's like too much of like, well, what am I going to eat? So I, don't, I relate to that. So, well, I was, yeah. So I'm saying, I so really like, like I think we have to, like, okay, I, I used to remember when I was younger, like, the kids are going to go to bed. So what am I going to break out and eat, like, once they go to bed? Like, what's my, what's going to be my, like, you know, reward for the day, you know, type of thing? Um, so I think it's like realizing that also, it's like you don't have to, you, you don't have to think about that so much. It doesn't have to be. Um, in your thoughts all the time. That's for sure. That's for sure. Right. Either way, right. and I think that it's something probably when you're in that stage, home with
1: little kids, huh? it's it's very easy to turn to food for like emotional comfort because oh for sure, yeah. like yeah. you said, you know you're busy all day with the kids, finally it's quiet. You know you're not going to necessarily go out. If you don't have a babysitter. You don't right. you're know, maybe a little lonely. You don't want that your house with you. So you just it's comfy. You know, oh let me right. have some
2: something to eat. <laughs> right, you're gonna have a piece of cake. You know, right. like. Uh, and for me it's candy like a little candy you know something like that or something i wouldn't want the kids to see that i had so now i can have the thing that i don't want like oh, to see that that's I interesting have, you know so yeah. and um, i
1: like one thing that Gila told me that i love is that like it's okay to use it's it's okay to emotional eat and to use food to cope with your emotions but sometimes it shouldn't be your only tool so right. if, you, if you're right. ever feeling bored or anxious or angry or happy if you're always going to food that's, you know, it's something to work through. Right if, you, right? if you journal and you like to exercise or go to the gym and you like to connect with a friend, you, you know, um, watch a shear, whatever your hell it is. And you, and in addition to all that, you also like to sit down and enjoy a nice ice cream or whatever it is that you enjoy. It's, it's nice. And I found myself like, because of that, I try to like, not every day do the emotional eating, but like, but when I do the emotional eating, I really try to be intentional. and say like, oh, Danielle, you had a busy day, you did so much, you know, let's sit down, make a cup of tea, cut yourself a piece of cake, enjoy it, and in a mindful, intentional way, and you're really, you
2: enjoy it more that way. 100%, yeah, for sure, for sure. I try to, like, um, notice that once I started to talk, once I started to hear Gila talk about it, I started to notice that um, in my children also, and I think that's, like, one thing you wanted to talk about is um, raising, you know, teenage daughters with that with a healthy sense of um, body image, which yeah, so I, that's you know, such an
1: interesting topic. I would love you know, to hear. That so, topic.
2: so which is so important. Um, and it was funny because I'm not funny. I was just talking to my twenty year olds about that before, also. Um, <laughs> so you know, she, she 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 was saying that like um, girls in school who let's say um, have that body image that they don't appreciate, and they and then they look over and they see that like skinnier girl. And they think like, oh, she's perfect. Like that's like, you know, first of all, Hashem gave us all different body types. Okay. And we also don't know why that girl is a skinnier girl. I'm not saying she has an eating disorder, but it could be that there are other things going on that just like her metabolism, whatever it is, like why that girl is a skinnier girl. My, one of my daughters said that she used to go out to eat with people and people would look at her and say, Oh, could you just order the macaroni and cheese? and like, I'll live vicariously through you. You'll eat it. And I'll like, feel like good about it. Oh, wow. It was like, so, and she would be like, no, I'm going to eat a salad because that's what I want to eat. Hold on one second. My 10 year something. minutes. So um, I'm home alone with my 11 year old. So, um, so I, I, I think that, like with, with the teens, it's, um, it's very, very important as a mother to try to not have them overthink they're eating too much because then that could turn into my class shalom uh, bad, bad vibes with food, just that bad you know, we know that that can spiral into eating situations and eating disorders. We, we were always taught that as teachers, like if if you see like a girl less like let's say lost weight over the summer, I remember this one's happening. And, um and like, don't say to the girl when she comes back to school, oh my gosh, you look fantastic. Like I, I do remember watching a girl, she lost a tremendous amount of weight over the summer, but I didn't say anything to her about it. I just, I just was like, how was your summer? How was everything? Because then that could spiral them to go out of control of like, you know, into something that's dangerous. Oh my gosh, everybody thinks I look so amazing. Then what can I do to keep it going? Or let's say you, you know, we're always pointing out to your daughter, like, why are you eating that? You should eat this or don't eat that, eat this. I think then she starts to feel tension with food. It starts to build up a unhealthy relationship with food. It definitely will start becoming like an unhealthy relationship with you. Um, I right. think it affects you right. too.
1: It's more than just a minute. With the, right. okay, I'm going to eat this food, and it's going to affect her or not. It's causing. It's the long term relationship with you and the food. It's-
2: exactly, and yeah. you know. So again, again, I think it's just good to model healthy um, behavior, to have the good foods in the house. Um, people um, would laugh because I still made my twelfth grader lunch. Her That's friends good. laughed at her that mommy still made her lunch. So That's but- so sweet. What I was making her like in the morning were like healthy salads, you know, and I wanted to make sure that she was eating healthy. Next year, she'll be in her gap year, she'll be in seminary, and I want her to continue eating, you know, healthy eating habits. Um, so I would, you know, it wasn't so hard to do make a little piece of salmon in the morning and some vegetables, and that's what she would take. And again, uh, her friends would make fun of her, and people make fun of me. You're still making her 12th grader lunch, but I wanted her to have a good, healthy, you know, something healthy during the day. And I knew if she did it on her own, you know, sometimes it just what's easier is not as healthy to do. So I think that modeling that good behavior about it is, you know, definitely important.
1: It's so interesting to me because from what I understand, I don't think you knew much. Like when I showed you the interview I did with Gila, was that the first time you heard about
2: intuitive eating, or you heard about it before? No, that was the first time. And I, I then afterwards I texted Gila and I'm like, what podcast should I listen to about intuitive eating, because I. I had reached out to Gila a few times um, for nutritional counseling um, and one, one for, for, for my daughter who was um, struggling with um, just some gastro issues and had stopped eating a lot of, oh, I, and, and COVID ruined her taste buds. So with those two issues, she was just not avoiding a lot of food and like losing weight, but like not on purpose. It's not that she didn't want to eat. She just didn't know what to eat anymore so um gila helped me find the right person to help her find that um you know to to you know going back to like why is somebody over there skinny you know sometimes she's like i I wish people wouldn't even know why i was so skinny if they wouldn't want to eat the way i ate i just like foods turned food turned her off i know covid really ruined her taste buds she would she dipped challah and honey on Rosh Hashanah and said, oh, this is disgusting. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. is it, it better now? It's all main challah and honey. And she's like, it tastes terrible. Oh. We couldn't believe that, that, you know, so it, it's gotten better. It's gotten For better some name. reason, yeah. she likes to drink Dr. Pepper. I have no idea why. <laughs> Dr. Pepper is like, most that was of my favorite soda that. as a kid. So I, I, I hear just yeah. since COVID, I don't know. It's like the weirdest thing, but, um, so, so she, so that was like one time I reached out to Gila. And another time I reached out to Gila, um, I just felt that I needed a, health, a more healthy eating plan. And again, she sent me to somewhere else. And then when I started to listen about what she did, I said, you know, I, I think that I need to listen to this to go along with my ideas of a healthier eating plan, just so I could be eating at the right times and eating um, better, better foods. And um, I think that people like, I don't know who listens to the podcast, but I'm just, I know I'm older than Danielle. So I'm hitting a different stage of life um, as, you know, go, going into just a, a time where a woman's life changes and her body changes. Um, and the foods that we're eating are really, really important. The foods that didn't bother me before have started to bother me and just not react well with me. Um, so I thought it was a good, 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 um, good way to start changing up. Um, some of the habits that I had had, which probably are not such good habits to have. So um, I've just been exploring that as a woman my age about what what should, would, be, would be good, you know, and to eliminate, what to add, things like that. You know, people don't even realize how much coffee. I only drink one cup of coffee a day, but it's not, it's the caffeine and the, and the coffee is, it's really not such a great thing at a certain point it could really cause heartburn. It could, it just, you know, it doesn't rest well in the body. Um, So like even like replacing your coffee with like a green tea in the morning, you know, is an important thing. Like that, that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. Intuitive eating is very much about like listening to your hunger and fullness and also noticing how certain foods feel in you. And I, I get heartburn. So I know what that's like, where like, I'll have, I'll be eating something and I know it. As I'm eating it, it's so it's good and I want to eat it, but I know it will give me heartburn. Right. And it's right. just something to really think about, you it's know, great. like why am I eating this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this good mm-hmm. for my body? Or how am I gonna feel? Right. There, maybe there's a way to eat it and not get the heartburn. Right.
2: Or like on Monday Shabbos or Sunday morning, just feeling so icky and sluggish just because Shabbos was, you know, had all those foods involved in it. Right. It's not always like, you know, the right white way, right way to treat yourself. for
1: sure it hits you and um i i was talking to gila i um i did a mini soda a few weeks ago where i spoke about an encounter i have with food and how i was feeling very sluggish and tired and gila also told me something that was interesting i might have mentioned it in the podcast but a lot of times like when you eat a certain food it's good to think like how do i want to feel like and she gave the example when it's friday night and i'm with my family on the couch with a blanket relaxing I'm okay feeling a little sluggish and tired because it's Friday night. But when it's you know the middle of the day on a Tuesday and I'm in the middle of working and I'm picking up my kids from school, that's not the time I want to feel sluggish. And it's just interesting to really think, "Hmm, like the food I eat is going to affect how I feel. What's the right amount for me? What's the right thing to eat? What's the combination? As opposed to just like listening to an external person give you a plan. What's going to make you lose weight? Which is is a whole different you know. This is just really. um, really getting in touch with yourself it's it's really it's, right. it's
2: intuitive 100 100 yeah i think it's a great thing yeah i i just i just
1: think it's interesting that you didn't know about intuitive eating before because i think a lot of what you're saying before with your daughters and being and how to, to react to students let's say if they lose weight not to praise it it's that's very in line with intuitive eating and right.
2: That is kind of like with workshops I've been to or just like reading books about that, um, you know, that type of idea. That's just like, you know, what I what, you know, what I tapped into. Um, Because I like I'll tell you, I think
1: it's so great before your daughter went to seminary, you, you were trying to work on habits with her. And for me, you know, I'll tell you, I before I went to seminary in high school, I. My parents only meant well. I don't have any negativity towards them, but I was always like a little bit overweight in high school. Nothing tremendous, but they took me to a a nutritionist where I went on this intensive program. And I remember I was told stage one of your plan, you can't have blueberries, you can't have carrots, you can only a cup of tomatoes, like very very strict. And I lost a lot of weight. And then what happened when I went to seminary? (laughs) I I gained it all back because I was
2: exactly right.
1: It just was it was disordered eating. You know, thank God I I didn't have any eating disorder, but and also during that process, I lost a lot of weight, and I was getting all these compliments from, you know. Yeah, and,
2: so that's it. That's that's the thing. That's the compliments,
1: and it fuels you. Yeah. And,
2: and like you know, young teenagers, they have stuff. Maybe they, not everybody has such a
1: high self esteem. Right. So when you're getting all these compliments as you're losing weight, your self esteem is becoming like based on that. But it's right. not. It's not real self esteem. No. And then you no. gain it back because that's how a lot of these things right. are for a lot of people. And when I came back from seminary to you know to my shul. People that, you know, they, they were nice to me, but no one gives me compliments.
0: Like,
2: oh, you look so beautiful. You look great. Right, right, right. And right. it's, it's, a, it's not from, not, from not a seminary. Right, right. I, I um, yeah, I think that in today's day and age, like if you really want to pinpoint what our problem okay. is, we have a very hard time letting people be which means just be where you are. Hmm. So like we've, we have a very hard time with that. If you buy a house, people are like, okay, when are you going to do your kitchen? When are you going to do your bathrooms, right?
1: You right. have one child always and, and the you're next going thing, to have yeah. another.
2: Right, we're always on to the next thing. We have a very hard time with just being and being basher husham, just what it is now, because that's that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. And I one time had a Rabbitson say, you should daven for what you have.
1: Wow.
2: You should daven for what you have. And have that mindfulness that you're like you really are in the right place. So, whatever the body image is, whatever the kohls you've been given, whatever it is, just like accept it and and ex- like start there instead of trying to change so much. You know, Hashem wanted you to be this way. You don't have to you, you you know just like acceptance of of where you are, and and then and then. Move, move outward from there but we have a very hard time in our society with that that's
1: for sure we do and i think a big part of this also listening to so much about what other people think and not sure. listening to ourselves which is intuitive eating too like getting in touch with ourselves and not what other people say and a lot of times when we're jumping to the next thing or we don't want like even if it's should i move this neighborhood should i go to this school should we all these external things but a lot of times we're thinking about what are other people doing what do other people think and as opposed to what do we think what do we want what does want? Yeah. Right. Right. And we can be disconnected from that, I think.
2: Yeah, it's very important, and we have to teach that to our kids, because if not, like the, they're just there's so much quality sprawl now. Schools are full of so much peer pressure about who you should be, what you should be. Everyone should be in a box. We don't want boxes. Hashem didn't want boxes. He wanted everyone to be a different person, and he made us all this colorful world that we would all be different people. It's just not the way. It's not the way that we're supposed to supposed to be. There's also, I think, a, a problem we have in our communities about perfectionism. Everything has to be like to the letter, like perfect. And I, you know, the way you look when you walk out of the house it has to be perfect. It ha- like there's so there's a we have we up our ante all the time in terms of what that standard of perfectionism is, and then we're all striving towards it. And why? Who made up? Who made the? Who made the marker? Who made the line? I don't
1: know. And if you zoom out, a lot of times those things that you're getting stressed over, the things that you're trying to be perfect in, they're not the things that matter. They're exactly you know, exactly Even I'll tell you, I, I was like feeling anxious and like I was anxious because the the toys are on the floor, the dinner's not cleaned up, all these things. And I'm like like, okay, like, it's okay if I go to sleep in the toys on the floor. It's okay if the dinner is not cleaned up. Like, not- no,
2: that really is okay. I have to really tell you, is- I go to sleep a lot of times with my dishes in my sink. i much rather do them in the morning, okay? Yeah. And I know there are, there are sink shiners that go to sleep. They can't go to sleep until their sinks are perfectly shined, but I, I don't know. I'd rather do my dishes in the morning. So right, I work yeah. hard during the day and then, you know,
1: yeah. yeah. But it's true. Like, if you zoom out for a minute, if your dishes are in the sink or your house is messy or you, you don't, you're not wearing a face of makeup. It's, it's okay. It's not. Right. That's right. not the things that really matter. You know, it's, it's not your me It's not how you're treating people. It's not your right. happiness inside.
2: Right. Right. And it's important for our kids to see that also, like to see that that's not always the important thing, you know, that, um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I always give this, I don't know. I've given this example, maybe to use Danielle. I'm not sure, but sometimes when I, ro- I ride the Long Island Railroad into the city, I look around the platform at like just regular, you know, average women who are standing on the platform. They're not so made up. Their hair is not so amazing. You know, they're wearing ordinary clothes. But then I look over and I see the other women, you know, coming, let's say from our community and they're, they're dressed to the nines. And I, I don't, and I don't know, like comparatively, like why, why there is that feeling that, of that like I have to walk out of my house looking like absolutely perfect I don't I I don't know uh, maybe in some people you know what I want to be on the cops close because as we as we were saying everybody has like their Natia their, their their gift in life and some for some women it is that they want to walk out of the house looking you know perfect but I hope it comes from a healthy place as opposed to I have to do it because somebody else wants me to do it or i'm expected to do it
1: right i think if it's coming from a place of i'm a salem al and i'm a a princess and created me and i want to look beautiful and it's coming from such a nice place that's uh, that it's beautiful but if it's coming from a place of uh, i need to look perfect i need everybody to
2: perceive me the right way then it's it's different right then it's right so leave everybody to analyze that on their own of course of course (laughs) it's great to
1: to model this in front of our kids it's uh, you know, it's great to hear from you because you have teenage daughters, so you definitely you're involved with this. In right, course.
2: right. I am. I have I have 23. Well, I have only one more one teenage daughter now because I have 23, 20 and 17. So so yeah, I'm, all, I'm, uh, I'm heading out of the teenage daughter years. I, I, I wear my battle scars. So I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. They're really great girls. Yeah. Well, well, Mrs. Green, thank you so much for coming, coming on the, the podcast. It's so great to talk to you. It was so nice to be here, Danielle, and just have this like nice friendly um, chat. I hope that, you know, I've given somebody a message that they can take with them and take home and utilize. That's um, always what I like to give over. Um, and I look forward to seeing you soon when we learn again. Amazing. And is there a place that um, if anybody wanted to reach you or contact you? Is there a place they could reach you? Maybe an email. Um, Okay. So I guess my email would be the best way to do that. Okay. Um, so I guess that's the safest thing to give out. Um, that I, can put, be, I can put it
1: in the show notes also.
2: Yeah. that That's okay. just basically my name, D-E-B-R-A, Debra, green like the color, 16, because I was born on June 16th, um, at gmail.com great thank you so much mrs green you're welcome you're welcome thank you danielle have a good night everybody have a good
0: night thank you all so much for being here on my podcast get into it with gila if you'd like to learn more about what i do and what intuitive eating is please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on instagram at gila glassberg thank you so much have a great day